Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast. I'll be honest, the first two sessions were tough viewing. BJ Watling looked on course to repeat his antics from the first test, batting obdurately, grinding England to the dirt and at one stage had New Zealand on 315 for 5. The five quick-ish England wickets meant that New Zealand finished on 375 with debutant Daryl Mitchell, not the one from Worcestershire, leading the way today with 73. England had to contend with a tricky spell late in the day and ended up on 39 for 2 at stumps with Sibley falling LBW to Saudi for 4 and Denley edging behind to a beauty from Matt Henry also for 4. England, not for the first time in the series, faced a significant uphill battle with the bat on day 3. I'm Azran and on the phone with me in Hamilton is the editor of the Wizard Almanac, Lawrence Booth. Lawrence, did you enjoy the first two thirds of the day? It was slow going, wasn't it? Um, it looked like it was going to be another marathon innings from BJ Watling after uh, he batted for so long for his double hundred at Mount Monganui. And New Zealand were grinding England into the, the dirt again, weren't they? And it t- took that uh, surprise extra bounce from Stuart Broad from the last ball before T to get rid of Watling and give England a foothold uh, into the New Zealand innings. But then, uh, alas for England, lost two wickets for all the close and they're, they're facing uh, another battle, I think. Daryl Mitchell on Test debut was excellent. He just kept things simple, really. Um, much has been made of England's desire to bat a certain way in Test cricket, but it's New Zealand who seem to have the clear game plan with the bat. The two batsmen who have been dismissed least frequently in the last year of Test cricket are BJ Watling and Tom Latham. But do you think England will be quietly content with how they first stemmed the flow of runs and then took the last five wickets relatively cheaply? Yeah, I think, you know, if they'd been offered 375 at the start of the day, uh, they'd probably have taken it. They may even have taken it when Root chose to, to bowl yesterday. It wasn't one of those decisions where you think you're going to knock the opposition over for 200. I think it's a knock them over when the, the conditions are most favourable for bowling and then hope to, to go big in your own innings, much like New Zealand did in, in Mount Monganui. I mean, England, England bowled you know, reasonably tightly in the first two sessions and then, and then very well after tea when they decided that going short was the way to, to unsettle New Zealand and the, I think four of the last five wickets were the result of short balls and, and guys like Broad and Wokes uh, got, got their just desserts but you know it, you know, you can bowl a team out for 375 but if you then lose two top order wickets before the close you're, you're on the back foot again uh, and New Zealand have got you know a, a backing control of this game I would say mm. well, Why do you think the first two sessions were so attritional? Was it a combination of decent but not particularly penetrative bowling? With patient batting, or is the pitch quite lifeless? 
And the pitch is a bit lifeless. Uh, it, it's you know quite similar in a way to, to Mount Monganui, not not quite as flat. There's been a bit of a swing as well, which there wasn't really in Mount Monganui. Of course, that has nothing to do with the pitch, but it it, it kept the kept the bowlers interested. And England England bowled tight. Um, they all bowled pretty well, really. There wasn't there wasn't much to hit. Broad has been very hard to hit all all series. Archer, though he hasn't taken many wickets, hasn't been easy to get away. And Wokes bowled as well as he has done with the the, the Red Kookaburra for, for quite some time. Um, I mean, throw into that the fact that Watling bats in a certain way, as we saw in the first test, and his his approach was very much to grind England down. Had he got through to T, who knows, he might still be batting now. Um, and, and Mitchell was excellent on, on debut. Um, you, you can't ask for much more than that from a guy who replaced Colin de Grandom, looked like a, a big cog in New Zealand's wheel was missing there, but that Mitchell so far has, has replaced him admirably. And yeah, it's the way New Zealand play, and it, and it, and it it's not always exciting. I, I dare say one or two were drifting, drifting off uh, to sleep on the grassy banks here at Seven Park, but it's uh, it's mightily effective. Dom Sibley's 20-ball stay at the crease was slightly torturous. Burns was dropped twice. Denley was dismissed by a beauty from Matt Henry. It almost looks like a different pitch when New Zealand have the ball in hand. Yeah, funny that. We're all saying, I wonder how, how lively this pitch will become when, when New Zealand get a go. Um, I mean, the new ball... It always gives you a, a, a bit, bit more chance, but you know some of the shots. Sibley, we're told that his strength is, is through the leg side, but he missed a, a bread and butter ball on his pads. Really, the only saving grace was he, he didn't waste a review on it. Um, that's a worry for England. He's, uh, you know, he's yet to, uh, to, to cement a place. There's no reason he would cement a place after three innings, but he's yet to convince any of us that he is any kind of long-term solution at the top of the order. And then Joe Denny got a decent one from Matt Henry, his, his uh, Kent teammate. Um, perhaps his footwork was a bit skewed as he played at one outside off stump, but it was uh, it was in the channel, and um, and Denny got the edge. And yes, Burns, as you say, uh, rode his luck. I mean, he hasn't looked convincing all series, despite making 50 and 30 in the first test, and remaining uh, unbeaten at the close here. He was um, dropped by Taylor at slip, and then again by Raval at short mid-wicket. Both of them were, were better than half chances. I think New Zealand would have expected to take one of them. And he got there was a Chinese cut for four as well, wasn't there? When he aimed, mm. uh, drove it a wide one outside off stump. So it wasn't a convincing innings by Burns. Um, look, England are going to have to fight hard the next the next two days. Really, I mean, they're probably their their only way of winning this test. I suspect is to is to bat no more than one one and a half times, not have to chase many in the in the final innings. They're going to have to try and do what New Zealand did in Mount Monganui when when England began with three five three, not dissimilar to New Zealand's three seven five here, and then New Zealand got 615 for nine I just on the evidence of what we've seen so far on this tour and what we know of this slightly flaky and experienced England batting lineup, uh, it will be quite an achievement if they got to 615 so I think their first task is to get up close to New Zealand stay in the game and then see if the, the pitch deteriorates and they, they can have some joy with the ball in New Zealand's second innings well thanks a lot Lawrence talk to you tomorrow thanks yes all the best so those first two sessions were hard work. You could tell there wasn't much happening by what the broadcast team was showing and talking about. At one point, they showed slow motion replays of the substitutes of Keith Mahmood and Matt Bargs and carrying the drinks off the field. Uh, there was an in-depth conversation about the state of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. But more than anything else, they kept on asking whether or not the, the pitch is quickening up, which yeah. initially seemed like I was going to ask you as a joke, but... Is that now a serious question, given how in the end of the day? <laughs> yeah, good luck to anyone who has to put a uh, highlights package together for, for that second session. Yeah, that, that, that question kept on getting asked on, on television, um, whether the pitch was quickening up. I thought it was actually quite, um, I don't think it was discussed much, but um, I thought it was quite, the bounce seemed quite uneven. It was quite, 
there were occasions where the ball stayed really low. Mm. Um, um, uh, for example, say that uh, BJ Watling edge that sort of didn't carry um, to uh, to Ollie Purpose down forward. Um, and then you look at sort of England's last uh, last few wickets where it was just sort of a short ball. Uh, barrage. So I guess, yeah, maybe the pitch did quick enough, I guess. Mm, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd noted down that there was one 87 miles per hour bouncer from Archer that, that kept really low and seemed to, seemed to really die. But then the ball also flew over Ollie Pope's head quite mm. a few times. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that, I guess guess the combination too makes it actually quite difficult maybe to bat. Um, you were really impressed by Daryl Mitchell on debut. He scored 73 and batted in exactly the way New Zealand batsmen have batted so far in the series. Yeah, um, he just looked so assured and um I think he was actually he's actually New Zealand's first test debutant since Will Somerville last year. Um and I was looking at just the amount of guys um who've come in and played for New Zealand in recent years and there's not that many and that speaks volumes. I think just their strength and depth is really impressive. Now Mitchell comes in for the Grand Home. Um who was and, key in the first test match and there's no difference yeah. at all. And and on those debuts, uh, Will Somerville and Ajaz Patel made their debut last year. Yeah. That was more because of conditions than anything else. It's a it's a really settled Really team. settled. And and then you look uh, later on in the day, um, Matt Henry coming in for Trent Ball. Um, Matt Henry's test record, which looks poor, um, doesn't show what a good bowler he is. Mm. And uh, how he bowled today was, was really impressive. Um, just their depth is staggering. It kind of reminds me of sort of the England side of the early sort of 2010s, how, you know, you barely ever had any new debutants because you had that settled sort of squad. Um, that sort of level of depth is, is, you know, you can see that with this New Zealand team. Stuart Broad finished with figures of four for 73. It was one of those typical Broderson away spells that we kind of come used to over recent years where it's been quietly impressive without blowing the opposition away. Um, yeah, he just kept on... Uh, he sort of just... I guess the the wicket wobbling was sort of it came out of nowhere really, um, but that's that's all about Broad. He keeps coming in and and still you know does his thing. Um, and he was the guy who kind of set in you know um, set that comeback rolling. Um, yeah, I mean that first wicket today was was beautiful set of bowling. It's Tom Latham who was so brilliant yesterday. Um, you know, leaved so brilliantly and his judgment was immaculate. And then. Today, um, he starts off with a beautiful on-drive to Broad, but then Broad replies brilliantly with that, with that ball that, you know, just didn't just kiss the top of off, just smashed into it. It was a, it was a brilliant ball. Um, and yeah, he bowled really well. And, you know, England, I guess um, there were times during that second session where they were sort of going through the motions. But once again, you know, they did, the, the game didn't necessarily get away from them. And the fact that they did get those five late wickets quite quickly that's that's still impressive, yeah. Yeah, I think the talking point of the day would be England taking those five wickets quite quickly. Had England not lost two wickets late in the day, yeah. Um, Mitch Santner added some much appreciated impetus to the New Zealand innings. He pulled Archer for two brilliant sixes in and over. The second of which hit a security guard flush on the forehead. After initial concern, he seemed all right. If anything, he seemed to kind of enjoy it the attention he got to got to meet Sam Curran um <laughs> Dom Sibley was hit on the head when batting in the England innings um the England team doctor administered a concussion test which he passed you raised a question though with Butler injured what would happen if an England player was forced to leave the field due to concussion who would be the concussion replacement would it be Jack Leach would Jack Leach be the best uh, the concussion replacement for a specialist batsman I imagine so um who else is there? There's Parkinson, Mood, 
it'll probably be Jack Leach. He's, he's done all right with the back. He's yeah, done all right yeah. as an opener. Yeah, yeah true, true, Average is 92, I, I believe, yeah. <laughs> it's quite hard to read much into it because he was only at the crease for 20 balls. But it was quite a torturous innings from Sibley. It was. I think he got hit in the box or sort of in the groin mm. area too. Um, and that was just a couple of balls before Saudi had him. Um, yeah, it was a tough, tough watch, really. He kind of... You know, when he was forced to even play in the offside, obviously we know he favours the leg side, but he looks so sort of awkward and, um, you know, still early days. You know, you can't, you have to give, it's a weird one because it's just a two test series and um, say he doesn't get a score in in the second innings. Um, you wonder what happens there, but he's, he's got to be, he'll go to South Africa, he'll, go to South Africa. Yeah. he'll definitely obviously get a few more chances, um, you know, still early mm. days, of course. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, Burns was dropped twice. I find his approach quite odd this series. He seems to have, he seems to want to attack the ball more than what seemed to work very well in the Ashes. Uh, the first drop from Taylor in the slips was quite a wide ball that wasn't really a half volley that he went very hard at. And then the second one was a, it was a half volley on leg stump and he hit hit it very airily and it was nearly caught brilliantly by Jeet Raval at mid-wicket. Kind of irresponsible given the position of the day and he got out in quite an irresponsible way late on day four in the first test. Yaz, you're having a go at Rory Burns. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, no, it, I mean, that, that first, um, his half century in that first test was so weird because... Uh, we remember how he sort of raced to 30 mm. um was almost the aggressor in in you know in comparison to Sibley um then really really struggled after lunch I think it was um and he just had a really strange series if he you know he's he's had his luck now again mm. um and he had quite a fair share of luck in that first innings um but it's really hard to see him kind of getting that big big score um just cuz you know he just keep he does keep sort of going mm. for it and and offering a few chances Mm. Um, but yeah, maybe he just needs, maybe he just needs a reset. Maybe he just needs a night of sleep after a long, long day in the field. I think we all need a nice sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, heart. We'll be back tomorrow for a reaction to day three. Thanks for listening, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. And if you're feeling extra nice, please leave us a five-star review on the podcast app of your choosing. Cheers. Podcast Network.